Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back. It's episode 55 and I'm recording this on Friday the 25th of June 2021. This week I was inspired by a talk from Dr Gunter Pauli, one of the early contributors to the concept of circular and regenerative economies. We were both part of a sustainable supply chain event organised by Thomas Pradal and other students at ESSEC Business School in Paris. Gunter highlighted the inefficiencies and lost value in our current supply chains, with only 10% of the raw materials we extract ending up in the product itself. According to the Circularity Gap report, only 8% of materials in the product come back to be used in another product cycle. And so, as Gunter says, if we waste 90% of the raw materials before we even ship the product out, the result is that not even 1% of raw materials end up being used more than once. Gunter's worked on some amazing circular projects, aiming to cluster regenerative solutions to create symbiotic systems with multiple benefits. He shares these through the Zeri project. I'll include a link to Gunter's work and the Circularity Gap report in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. In today's episode, we're meeting Lara Mehring, a designer, fashion lover and entrepreneur from the Netherlands. At school, Laura was interested in both psychology and fashion, and realising she needed to be creative to be happy, she studied fashion design. While studying, Laura watched the True Cost documentary. Something inside her snapped, and she realised she wanted to be part of a better fashion system. Laura founded Unravel Out in 2017, to unravel the threads of fashion and keep only the good parts. She wants to pioneer a new way of designing the clothes we wear and highlights the dilemmas we face when choosing fabrics, the pros and cons of synthetic fibres versus more natural fibres like wool and cotton. As Laura says, unravelling the fashion industry is a big job and so Unravel Our starts by cutting the crap and spreading awareness of the impact we have on the planet. Unravel Our uses only organic and second-hand materials and producers for customer commissions, so there's no dead stock. Let's get straight into the conversation with Lara Mehring. Lara, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. Yeah, it's great to finally talk to you after a few discussions backwards and forwards on email, and I think there's lots of really interesting aspects to your business, Unravel Out. Have I pronounced that right? Yes, it's Unravel Out indeed, yeah. And I'm really curious to know a bit more about your background and what inspired you to start Unravel Out. 
Yes. Yeah, so um, as a kid, I was always making up stories in my head and uh, trying to express them to the outside world via the clothes that I was wearing. And um, when I had to choose the studies, it was almost natural to, for me to choose fashion design. Um, however, during those studies, I didn't just learn how to become a fashion designer. I actually learned more about the negative sides of the fashion industry. And um, after graduating, I decided that I did not want to contribute to that fast fashion system anymore. So that's actually why I started Unravelow to unravel the bad practices in fashion and only remain the good parts. I hadn't realized that's what Unravelow was all about. That's really cool. Yes. I like that, unraveling, yeah. unra- unraveling yeah. all those, those threads. And that's mm-hmm. just reminded me about, I was moderating an education event for UNESCO and uh, Rene Bettmann from Vauda Sports in, in Germany. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how to bring circular economy into education and we'd been talking about maybe we could integrate it into existing subjects and just encourage people to look at things through a different lens, looking at what we're doing now that's building up take mate waste and all those bad mm-hmm. habits, and then how you can make it more circular. And he came up with a great phrase of integrating red and green threads through existing subjects, and I really like that kind of visual yeah. image of the red thread showing all the bad things that we've um, started doing since the Industrial Revolution, so that, that's great. And Yeah, that's very you, good. Can you tell us a bit more about your philosophy? Yeah, so, um, well... What I'm doing with Unravelow is that I offer uh, limited one-of-a-kind products and they're made by organic or upcycled materials. And we only produce upon request. Uh, So it's all made to order, which means that we don't keep any dead stock. And we also can make sure that the product that the client orders is also, well, fits, fits to their body type, but also maybe if they have any special requests, we can just easily uh, add it to the garments. Um, At the same time, um, I also offer education um, because I realized that just offering a, well, sustainable product um, is not going to solve the huge problem that we have have with the fashion industry. So I decided to also focus on education and uh, make younger people aware of the impact that they have, uh, uh, the impact that they have on the fashion industry and just on the whole environment. So talking a bit more about the education, what kind of programmes do you offer and and who are they for? Yeah, so currently um, it's quite broad. Um, I offer education for children from the age of eight until, I think, students until the age of age of 28, I think. Um, So it already starts at primary school, I think you call it. Uh, For the younger kids, I just do workshops with them and they upcycle their old clothes. So for instance, their old jeans, they just cut it up and do everything with it that they can't do at home. And therefore they're making a new jeans with it. And next to that, um, I also give education on a high school. And I do that together with my colleague, Naomi, and we make programs for high school students Uh, that make them aware of their impact and at the same time also give them tools on what they can do about their impact to make it a positive one. So in helping people understand the impact of what they're wearing, 
what kind of things do you talk about and which parts are people most shocked by? Um, yeah, so we um, usually start with what kind of materials their clothes are made of. And that's a very fun way to start because we start with a quiz and then um, I have all these um, sources such as uh, a cotton plant and a plastic bottle. And then next to that, I also have um, a fleece um, vest and uh, what else, maybe a leather bag, for instance. And then the children, they have to connect the two together. Um, and they're always shocked that plastic bottles are used to making fleece vests. And then when I tell them, well, plastic is actually in a lot of your garments. If you look at the garment tag that you're having, the care label, and it says polyester, it's actually made of the same substance as plastic bottles are made. And then they're completely shocked. They're like, huh? So basically I'm wearing a plastic bottle. And well, that is just so nice when they're saying that because I don't have to tell them that it's actually, well, not a very good thing for the environment. And they understand by themselves like, okay, I don't want to wear plastic because that's silly. Why would I do that? Um, so by that, they already made a choice of, well, maybe I don't want to buy any polyester clothes anymore in the future. Mm, that's interesting. And on LinkedIn and in sustainable fashion press and so on recently I'm starting to see quite a few arguments about uh, natural fibres versus um, fossil fuel based fibres and yeah. how some of the life cycle as um, analysis assessments are perhaps weighted in, in one direction um, and mm -hmm. that things have been missed out for polyester and, and other synthetics um, and making them look lots better than the natural alternatives. And mm -hmm. I think it, it's, it's worrying because these things have been put out by quite big organisations that, you know, yeah. should have known better. And so I'm worried that fashion's starting to use the tobacco playbook, which is, you mm -hmm. know... Make it make the information all muddy and, and put out the information that you want to put out and kind of make everybody distrust all the other stuff. Yeah. Are, are you seeing that and how are you helping students get to grips with what's what what the real facts are and what are just fake facts? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also like I'm not a big fan of synthetic fibers. I'm not a fan of it at all. But um, the positive thing of it is, of course, that it remains for a very long time. So that's also something that we point out, like, you know, if you have a synthetic fiber, it will maybe last longer than, for instance, um, a cotton T-shirt. But you do have to think about the whole uh, process of how it's made. And we also say that cotton uses a lot of water, so it's also not the best solution that we have. So basically, we just give them the facts indeed and some, yeah, the pros and the cons of every fiber that we have, and then they can make up their own minds of what they want to wear and what they want to buy. Mm. And of course, it goes beyond just the upstream supply chain impacts, doesn't it, into use and end of use. So thinking yes. about some of the more natural fibers like wool and so on have natural antibacterial yeah. properties, so you might not yeah. need to wash them as much. Avoiding yep, the need for indeed. heating the water, using the water, putting chemicals into the water. And yep. conversely, we understand more about now about 
particularly fleece fabrics, and how they're shedding billions of microfibers through their lifetime. Yes. So people are yeah. starting to become aware of you know the whole end-to-end -end scenario. Yeah, yeah, and I think right now there's not necessarily one thing that's good and one thing that's extremely bad. It's still all a bit in the middle because even the most well, the most natural fibers also don't have the best process in how they're made. Um, but yeah, I think as long as you give people just uh, the information, they can do with it themselves what they want and they can make their own choices and they don't need to be fooled by the media or by brands that greenwash them. Mm, yeah, I think that the, the um the motto I like to follow is, or the, the, the way I like to encourage people is to dis decide what you really care about and then get really curious about that. So you're motivated to research it and keep researching it. And you're right that we don't necessarily know all the answers now, but if you stay curious, you can keep yourself informed and make sure that you start to, to move in the direction that um, the science is, is telling us to go. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So coming back to some of the other services that uh, Unravel Hour offers, so we've talked, we've you mentioned the collections, and you also have the atelier service. Uh, maybe you yes. could tell us a bit more about those. Yeah, so at Unravel Hour we don't produce more than one collection a year, and actually. Right now, at this moment, we don't produce any collections, but we just only produce whenever a client gives us an assignment. Um, and what we think is important about that is because even if you only make one collection a year, there's still some pieces in there that people might not want, uh, which is a shame. It's a shame of my time as an artist that I put in there, but also it's a shame of um, all the sources that I have wasted with that. So now what we do, we go in, uh, we have contact with the clients and then they come to us and they say, well, I would like to have a suit for this occasion, for instance, and based on a conversation with them, we get to know them better and we can decide like, okay, this is the kind of style that maybe suits you and the kind of fabric that would fit with it. Uh, then we present it to them and um, if they like the sketch, if they like the idea, then we continue with it and we start making a prototype and we do a fitting with them. And along the way, each time the client can still say, okay, I want this a bit changed. I want this a bit more to my taste. I think this is a bit too raw. I think this is too wide. I think this is too tight. Um, can I change it a bit? And we're just completely open to it. It will still, in the end, it will still be an unravel out suit for the client, but by just listening to them very carefully, we can make sure that we actually make something for them that they want and that they will wear for a very long time mm, something that they'll really care for and i think yeah definitely ahead of the podcast we were talking about uh, one of your customers who wanted a, uh, a jacket and it went through quite a lot of iterations but the result was a much more kind of uh, flexible jacket you know a multi-purpose jacket yeah. that makes it sound wrong but you'll you'll describe it much yeah. better than i can yeah, yeah, and also more appreciated. So we actually started off with a jacket which was very slim fit. And then during the fitting, the client actually said, well, you know what, I, I don't really feel this kind of style. I'm actually more of a um, laid back type of person. So if you're going to put me in a very slim fit jacket, I would just not feel comfortable in it. 
Um, plus, I also would like to wear the jacket outside as a blazer. So I said, okay, well, that's interesting and we're just going to alter it. So we actually just made a very straight jacket for her and we added some buttons in there as well so that she could wear it inside as a blazer, but outside buttoned up as a complete jacket. And was there something about a, uh, a belt as well? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cl yeah, that's right. Indeed. Yeah, we also added a belt because um, even though the client wanted it to be, well, a loose fitted jacket, I still thought it's always nice to have a bit of a waist in there and she could take the belt off whenever she wanted it, um, but still make it a bit more chic if she feels like it. So that was a true custom made garment with all sorts of, you know, and another thing requirements. Uh, coming up from the client and yet you were able yes. to really make something that she will treasure and get lots and lots of use out of in, in different scenarios and different situations. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's yeah, kind of that's providing just... lots of long-term value for money, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And that's just like so much more worth to me than... I could have also made like 15 jackets at the same time that I did just this one jacket for her. Um, but now just having the client next to me in this whole process just made it so more, so much more valuable for me as well. And at the same time also for the client. So in the end, I was very happy. And it was still an unravel out jacket, but also a part of the client. Mm, sounds, sounds great. And so yeah. What kind of things have you struggled with and what surprised you in the process of building Unravel Out? Um, well, um, when I started uh, studying fashion design, I thought, OK, I'm going to be a fashion designer and I know it's going to be hard um, because I've seen the, the Chanel documentaries and all the stress that goes with it. So, you know, um, I, I think I can handle that. Um, but because I chose to be um well more of a sustainable designer so much more yeah thoughts came to it and also every decision that i make um there's so many more how do you say this like there's a huge checklist that i have to check before i can actually make the decision because otherwise it's not it, it doesn't fit for the company on Revelau, but it also it goes against my own values that i have so I already chose a profession that's like challenging and then I decided to make it even more challenging by doing sustainable fashion. Um, at the same time, I do like a challenge very much. So every time I can make a decision and I can make a design that's, well, almost 100% sustainable, then uh, I'm very proud of myself and I'm very happy with the end results. Yeah, and I sense that you will always be setting the bar a bit higher each time. But also Definitely. that, that yeah. those customers, um, like the the, um, the lady who wanted the multi-purpose jacket, blazer, coat, can also help inspire your thinking and help your checklist of questions to ask other customers so that more and more people yes. are coming out of um, the Unravel Out Atelier service with a garment that they absolutely love and, and will treasure. And that's yeah. really the whole point of trying to make fashion more slow and sustainable, isn't it? Instead of yeah. fast and forgettable. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And that's also what I like. Why, of course, I called my name, my brand Unravelau, but 
I realized that if I just take the U, it's also something for the customer. So they're wearing themselves. And that's also something that I really had to learn when I first started fashion. I thought, okay, I am the designer. I have to decide for other people what they want, <laughs> which is, of course, completely insane. But that's kind of how you're educated. And now I realize, okay, I should not be telling them what they need. They have to tell me what they need. Like they maybe cannot sew, they don't have the inspiration or the creativity to do something. I can help them with it. And I can uh, think of all these sustainable solutions that I have for them in order to make their wardrobe more sustainable. So instead of um, telling other people what to do, I now listen to them and I'm more in collaboration with the client. And that's, well, wonderful. Mm. So it's more of a co-creation to use the buzzword. Yeah. And I guess that engages your client even more in in what comes out at the end yeah yeah definitely yeah and it also um you know if it happens with one client then they're happy and then they tell it to somebody else and then they become a client as well so it's like well how do you say it is not like an uh an oil stain because that's definitely the wrong (laughs) word but you get what I mean? Like it's becoming bigger and bigger and uh, the influence is becoming bigger and bigger and also the awareness. And that's just, that's something that I would have never realized to, um, that I would have been possible to make such an impact like that. And I'm very happy that that's working out right now. Mm. Yeah, I guess a bit like those green and red threads that we were talking about earlier. What you're doing is connecting up yeah. Lots of people through this green th- green thread of the Unravelow products. Um, yes. And, uh, and I, I hear so many stories from people involved in circular businesses about word of mouth marketing. It's just incredible. And, you yeah. know, people love the product so much and are telling all of their friends and they're not having to spend money on advertising, which has got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah, but I also think that's maybe the thing that will, um, that's the difference between sustainable fashion and fast fashion, because of course, fast fashion is everywhere and they have the big companies and they have all the money to invest in um, in marketing and you see all these ads, but you don't have anybody in those shops who's telling you what's great about the brand or what's the story behind the clothes. And if you look at the smaller, more sustainable brands, all those clothes have a story to tell. And I think that is what makes us different from fast fashion brands. And that's also something that clients can connect with. Mm, Yeah. And I think people will feel much better and more kind of um, more comfortable with what they're wearing when they know there's a good ethics story behind it. Yeah. Um, instead of it either being obscure or they already know because they've seen a, a film or heard something on or seen something on social media about the yeah. poor ethics and the low pay and poor working conditions involved in much of fast fashion. And when you think yeah, about the amount of marketing spend that must be involved in persuading people to buy those things, it makes you realise just how little money is actually going into the into the garment and how much is going on marketing and, and um, you yeah. know, help, helping convince people that they should fritter their money away on this stuff. Indeed. Yeah, I think that's that's what sets us aside. We just do it. We don't act green. Like we don't we don't 
act as if we are green, we're actually green because we're doing it. So I think that's what sets us apart. Mm, yeah, definitely. So Lara, which, what are your lessons learned and top tips for a business wanting to go circular? Um, wanting to go circular. Well, um, well, as I said, what I learned the most was that I had to listen to the, to the customers to understand what they need so I can give them something that they actually want. Uh, by doing that, you're not creating anything that nobody wants and it doesn't get thrown away. Um, what I also learned is that, well, I started with Unravelau um, with like a full collection of items uh, that all needed like different, um, a different presentation and a different amount of attention. And I think because I started kind of big, if I would just have started with, for instance, one T-shirt or one, one pair of trousers, I could have put all my values that I have with Unravelau in that and from that build an entire collection instead of presenting one collection at once. Um, I think that's the biggest lesson. If you want to be circular, just start very small and then listen to other people. And then every time you add something that people want, and then you build it up and don't do it the other way around because then you're going to end up with a lot of wasted clothes and that's just a shame. Mm, great tip. And that puts me in mind of the permaculture principle of small and slow solutions. Don't try and reinvent the wheel and particularly not, not all no. at once. So no, Lara, definitely not. Lara, thinking about your values, um, is there one of those that you think helps move us towards a better world that's more sustainable and fairer? What I think is very important is if people take themselves seriously and if they also think of uh, the consequences their actions have and um, also think about how the media is influencing you, how big fashion chains are influencing you it actually has an impact on you and you don't you should not be silly about it and think oh that's not for me that's it doesn't have any effect on me so i won't do anything about it and if i buy this i won't make any effect on ever on anybody else with it i think if people just take that a bit more serious and also ask themselves questions about okay uh, am I being influenced? Am I influencing other people? Do I have a negative impact on anything? They ask themselves that and start to, well, find the answers. I think um, we have a, well, a lot of waste could be prevented by that, I think. And a lot of unnecessarily bought clothes could have been prevented by that. Mm. So with every action, you're either being part of the problem or part of the solution yeah. and there's no yes. happy medium. No, no, I don't think so. And um, you just have to be aware of that. Don't think you're, you don't have any impact. I, do, I just think that's so silly that people think they don't have an impact on anything. Um, yeah, it just doesn't, yeah. It just shocks me that people think it and I think therefore giving education to younger people and make them aware of, okay, you actually have an impact and you can do something with it um, is so valuable. Mm. Yeah, I think that comes back to Gandhi's philosophy. And he said something like, it matters not what you do, but it's very important that you do it. And yeah. lots and lots of tiny, tiny actions can create a, you know, a big wave. 
So I think yeah. I think you're right, and and I like that ethos of taking yourself seriously and and think about what you're doing. So yeah. thank you. And Lara, um, who would you recommend as a as a future guest for the program? Um, well, I think maybe um, one of the people who are part of the Upcycle Center in Almira. Uh, because we haven't discussed that uh, yet, but um, I'm one of the entrepreneurs who uh, has their atelier, well, next to the Upcycle Center of Almira, and that gives me exclusive access to all the unwanted clothes that the citizens of Almira throw away. Um, and I actually think it's very interesting to find out more about the philosophy of the up of the Upcycle Center and um, what their plans are for the future. Um, because I think they can be, they're already like a little bit circular with having the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs making something new out of, well, trash basically. Um, but they have so many more ideas of how, how they can be more circular. So I think they're definitely an interesting guest to, uh, invite for the podcast. Mm, sounds good. And it sounds like the yeah. kind of thing that could be applicable in so many towns and cities around the world. So it would be great yeah, to spread definitely. the word on that. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And Lara, how can people find out more about you and Unravel Hour and get in touch? Uh, well, I'm very much active on social media, on Instagram. And what we do on Instagram is that we have a behind the scenes, so not scenes, but scenes, uh, stories uh, in which we always share what we are doing in the atelier. And it's just a nice way of well, for new people to get to know us. Uh, so everybody can follow us on, on Revelau on Instagram. Um, I also have a website, which is called Um And people can always connect via LinkedIn uh, on the Unrevelau account, but also at my personal one, which is Laura Meijering, um, to ask me any questions about anything. Fantastic. And I'll put all those links in the show notes at circuiteconomypodcast.com so people can look them up. And yeah, I love the humour of the behind the scenes stories. That's really neat. So great. Yeah, even though you have to take yourself serious, you do have to <laughs> laugh about yourself and whatever you're doing, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Humour humor makes the world go around, doesn't it? And connects us all. Definitely. Yes. Brilliant. So, Lara, thank you very much for sharing all those insights. I think there are lots of brilliant tips in there for circular economy startups, not just in fashion, but in, in lots of other areas as well, particularly in getting to understand your customers' needs more closely and taking yourself seriously. So thank you very much and look forward to hearing a bit more about what you're up to in the future. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Catherine. Bye-bye. It was such a pleasure to talk with Lara and hear all those brilliant stories. I love that Lara was inspired by fashion from such an early age and that when she uncovered some of the sustainability and ethical issues of clothing and textiles, she became determined to make fashion in a better way. I was impressed with how Lara has developed complementary services with the design, co-creation and atelier or sewing offering and the educational services. In a way, Laura is educating future customers and helping to create a market for slow, sustainable and stylish clothing. Even if the youngsters choose only to be more selective and purposeful about what they buy on the high street, by asking better questions so they can make more informed choices, who made this, 
Were they paid a living wage? What's it made from and how sustainable is that? How long will this last? And will it have a resale value when I've finished wearing it? Or will it just be worthless trash? As Laura said, listening to your customer can transform what you do. Even though you're the person with the skills, the experience and the passion, helping your customers find something that fits their needs, makes them feel great and provides a good investment for their time and money can be transformational for them and for you as the creator. I loved Laura's advice to take yourself seriously. It does matter. What we all do, say and what we choose to care about can change our future and the future of our living planet. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode, as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. <music>